Subtle, subtle. Okay, let's let's uh, turn in our word to the book of Judges. The book of Judges, and that is way west. Uh, where's Judges? It's over there in the Joshua section, somewhere in there. The Ruth and Nehemiah stuff, Judges. Judges chapter 16, story of Gideon. So we're ministering on, behold, the dreamer cometh talking about the image that's inside of us. Here's a conjecture. Just measure it. If, if you and I, we believe, we're believers, we believe in the, the more, we, we believe in the prosperity of the gospel, we believe in the, the, the possibility of the word of God, we're, we're believers. Uh, but if we are living a life that's equal to the image that we see of ourselves inside. If we're living that image, if we're not going any further than what's inside, and people want to say, well, I'm, I'm way out there, it's just, the, you know, inside. No, the inside is the mirror that shines on our life. It's what we believe. It's what we, our, con, our conviction is grounded in what we are right now, what we're living uh, with, with our health, with our funding. If that's true, if that was true, you decide. And then we believe that uh, he became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich, and that we have all sufficiency in all things, and that we abound to every good work. And that what he has for us is exceeding abundantly above what we could ask. Then think about how far we are yet from where we are to the will of God, the plan of God. Sometimes you get to thinking, we're nailing it. Got that. Got my, got my car paid for. Got my, you know, got these debts paid and whatever, and we think, we're nailing this. We're on top of it. We got the stuff. And yet, the Word talks about a, li a life that's way more than what we're living. You know, I'm just, just sticking it out there. We got room to improve, or to gain, is what I should say. We, we're not there. As good as it is, and you know good is the enemy of best, when you'll stop and settle because it's better than it's ever been, and you just don't want to mess it up. But there's so much more. So with that thought in mind, let's, let's look at the Word this evening. In Judges chapter 16, the story of Gideon in chapter... Uh, uh, not 16, that's not right. It's chapter 6. Yeah, that's... Whew. That was a little... Uh-huh, that would have that changed your life. And verse 6... Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, brought you forth out of the house of bondage, delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of all that oppressed you, and drove them out before you, and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the God, the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. 
but ye have not obeyed my voice. And here's verse 11. And there came an angel of the Lord. Now that's kind of sneaky because there it says an angel of the Lord, but as we go down, it'll say the Lord. He, and the angel, he sat down under an oak tree and uh, that pertained unto Joash, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. So you can see they were needing some help. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And if you look up the word mighty man, it's the word geber, and it, it's got a list of uh, adjectives, commander, chief, uh, mighty man, they just go on and on. So this word here, uh, mighty man, is, is the least of it. And Gideon said unto him, the image inside of me is saying, O oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us. I think we're making a wrong turn here, don't y'all? And delivered us, oh, another wrong turn, into the hands of the Midianites. And here's where it says in verse 14, And the Lord, wasn't even the angel. I don't know if this was a lightweight that he sent in and he couldn't handle it. But the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the land of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. So here we have a story with contradictions. We have the man's story, and then we have the angel's story, the Lord's story. How many of you all think it might still be that way? That there's still two stories playing, and that, uh, that we go, come on, Gideon, get alive, man up here, this, the Lord says you're this, and you're acting like that. You're a whiner. And then we see the finger pointing back at us and say, Oh, Michael, you are such a whiner. Compared to the promises. Compared to what the Lord, the word of the Lord is. So here we see a, a demonstration, a, a, an illustration of exactly how life is right now for all of us. And as good as it is, and yea, verily, it is good. Are y'all having a great life right now? We are. But we have a little saying around here that it says it takes all their life to live their life. And as much as we've come free of that and living above that, still yet, if we saw what was supposed to be, if we had a demo of, the, of that life that lived above, that lived beyond, that lived outside of the encumbrances, the curses, the sin nature the evil, the persecution, the devil himself in this world, our own sin, condemnation, shame. If we could see that life just for a moment of where we're supposed to be, the closest that we would even have that is that we were in heaven. Sometimes we get a glimpse of things being very provided, very healthy, very strong, very at ease, peace in our lives, and we go, well, that's heaven, but this is earth. And, uh, but the Lord Jesus prayed that we'd, uh, uh, my Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth 
exactly as it is in heaven. So there we have the will of the Lord. And so we're not condemned, but we are convicted that we're not there yet. And that what we have for us is that we have a great life, but we don't have a lot left over for others. No, no condemnation. I'm, no shame here. I'm just saying you look at it and just judge. Just judge about other people, the church in general. And then we have to come here and then we have to go to our own selves and saying, really, I'm, I, we could say we were encumbered, that we spent a lot of time thinking about where's this and taking care of that. Uh, it goes back to somewhat uh, do what only you can do so that you'll do all that he's called and assigned for us to do. I shared that with a man this morning in another city, and he, he, he got, you know, he got real firm. He said, that, that fixed some things for me. So it's a good word, but it's a, it's a difficult word. It's a challenging word because we all want to do what we're doing. It's the most fun we've ever had, and yet the Lord says, cut it out. I got something so much better and so much higher than what you're doing that you call tapped out. You, you call, this is great. He said, I got stuff that you hadn't even ever dreamed of. Matter of fact, he said, exceeding abundantly above what you've ever thought of. And so we use those words. Those are, those are God words. We use them and temper them in our own speaking, saying, well, you know, the Lord knows that we're down here. We're mortal. We're, we got this, that, and the other. And so we... We cut off the exuberance and the magnanimity of those words when, in fact, I believe the Lord is saying it exactly like it is. All sufficiency in all things abounding to every good work. What, what is outside of that? What, what is the Lord not catching? What, what's the exception, the exemption? The <laughs> wow. So, we're, like I said, we're not condemned. But we should be exhorted to love and good works. I'm certainly convicted in this myself. So, uh, so we have to ask ourselves, just like Gideon did. He said, I'm the least in my father's house. And Daddy-O, he's, he's in the least tribe. And, and we, we're the least of the least. And I'm the least in the least of the least. And God said, you're going you're gonna to deliver your people from the Midianites. It was just as far as east is from west. And I think, I believe... It could be that all of us, in some measure, some dimension, are just as far away from the plan and the provision and the peace and the safety that the Lord has for us, that we don't, we don't have any problems. We just don't have anything to think about. Wouldn't that be wild? Okay, so uh, this, this life is embedded. It's, it's, it's embedded in us, the word... We know the scriptures. You can quote them as well as I can, exceeding abundantly above. You can quote it, uh, all sufficiency in all things. You, we all know the word. It's not like, what Bible's he reading out of? We, we know these scriptures. Greater is he that is in you. If you read it in the Amplified or the Passion, then you, you kind of, it takes a long time to get around it. It's way greater is he that in you than little old self in the world. And so we have these, these, these words that are contradicting how we may feel or how we see the image that's limiting us inside. So we need an upgrade. 
I said, we all need a constant upgrade. We're, we're none of us saying, yeah, I, I've been going to church for years and I'm about, I about ready to graduate from that thing. I about got all they got. And so uh, have you ever seen yourself in a hospital bed? Listen, look, look. Have you ever seen yourself? I'm talking about inside, inside, ever thought, ever gave a place to an image where you could see yourself in a hospital bed with a critical condition. Have you ever, what well, we'll use this word, imagined? It's serious stuff, but if you ever gone in and seen somebody that was healthier than you, seemingly, and you see them and you go, wow, I, I could be there, or, or whatever people think. So that's one scenario that people that believe in healing, they've allowed themselves to see themselves there. Have you ever seen yourself under physical attack from a man or from an animal? I had a big old dog come into my garage the other day. I was in the garage, and I, he was a big dog. And I shooed him off, and he, he growled and started moving towards me. And, I, I, and I've had an experience way back where my, uh, my mother's dog bit me. I, I was just starting out and all that, but... Anyway, I, I, that image came up in me, and I started realizing that, that there was a weakness there that I had even, it, it wasn't completely foreign to me. I had experienced it and had not expelled it. But have you ever seen yourself under physical attack from a wild animal or a domesticated, this, this thing wasn't domesticated, but, or, or seen yourself mugged or, or uh, beat up or... You know, or you've seen somebody else, and so you've imagined that. That's in there. Do y'all get where I'm going? That's, that could be in there. I'm not saying it's in you. I'm just saying if it's in you, you know you're not finished working on you. Have you ever seen yourself destitute? Now, this, this thing, this really chaps me. Have you ever seen yourself destitute while you were tithing? Now, when I get complaints from people that just say, oh, we're just not making it, and I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to have to this, that, and the other, and you know they're tithing, you know there's a, there's a, there's a disconnect there. Because by tithing, we are covenant people, and it can't be. It can't be that I'm not going to heaven. That's where y'all say amen. We, it can't be. It just cannot be. Well, well maybe it's this going to be this way or that way. It can't be. It's settled. And it can't be that I'd ever be destitute because I know who I am because I'm tithing based on who I am. Can it be that you've ever seen yourself abandoned by some people in your family that uh, you love or they loved you and they just walked out of your life? And so there would be some sort of fear there by things they'd say or not say or do and not do that you would revert to what? That image. In other words, there would be a, an agreement or a connection to an image that is contrary to this. Greater is he that is in me. I'm, I'm accepted in the beloved, is what the word says. Has it ever been that you've seen yourself in a plane or a boat or a car? Deborah and I always talk about Melissa, because every once in a while she'll say, I don't know why, she'll say, just tell everybody that's in the plane that I'm in, relax, because we're good. She, she says that. If I'm in the plane, everybody's good. You may be so bad, but today you're so good. 
But have you ever seen yourself in a plane or a boat or a car or a train or something that's involved in some sort of crash or some sort of wreck? And it makes you, when you're with somebody else that's driving or when you're driving and someone comes across or whatever, there's a, there's a fear, a, a locking up inside. You've seen people that just... And you can tell they've got that in them that it's going to happen to them. Have you ever seen yourself where someone or something threatens you and you're fearful for your life or fearful for your well-being? Have you ever thought that you had to compromise in order to get what God wants you to have? This is, this is a big one. I'll stay here just a minute. Ever had to compromise, had to, had to go around the corner, had to go, had, couldn't do it God's way to get what you wanted and you wanted it and God wanted you to want it and to have it, but there was no clear path of doing it His way. Kind of like robbing the store to pay your tithe or something like that. Uh, compromising the Word, compromising the plan of God. Have you ever thought of yourself being stricken with a panic attack because you've had some sort of thing in your life that leaned that way or you've seen someone, known someone? There's a whole bunch of things we could scenario. I'm just trying to give an overview here that if, you, if, you can, if you've ever seen that image inside, if you've ever seen yourself involved in something that's contrary to the goodness and the safety and the well care of the Lord, then, then we have a limiting image and we can't go past it, even though a car never came into our lane and no one ever threatened us and we beat the snot out of that dog that came into the garage, you know, or whatever. Uh, so you don't have anything to back it up, but it's in there. And so if we're going to go to the next level, just as individuals, not, not as a church, just each one of us, and deal with things that are personal, that are, that, are, that are intimate to us, we have to know to look for these things. So I've got a, just a short list here. There's eight or nine things here that you could, then you could say, well, what, what causes me to freeze up? What, what causes me to be angry? What causes me to be, what is it? I'm going to find out what it is inside of me that is like Gideon, not me, I'm the least of the least, and, and you're saying I'm, I'm, you're looking for a champion. And I can't even carry the, the bucket, the, the, the spit bucket for the champion. And God said, you're the man, you're going you're gonna to deliver us. That's what he thinks of each one of us, that you are a deliverer. Not only delivered, praise God we are, but that you got so much overflow, we've got so much in us, that we're not even aware of our own bodies. Have you ever heard ministers talk about uh, uh, not aware of their own body? Brother Hagen used to talk about that, that you, you, you have no consciousness of your body, totally not afraid. That's what you got to get. And you, you got to get where you're not afraid to die. Like, die? You can't, because you can't really live until you conquer the fear of dying. Because you, you always got a, a lot of your resources guarding and, and keeping you safe. And when you say, I don't, I'm not afraid of that. Greater is he that is in me. It can't happen. As surely as I'm going to heaven. And we do all say, well, you know, if dying, I'll just go straight to heaven. But the truth is, we've got to back up from that and say, I'm not dying. With long life, he satisfies me. 
and I'm not done, and I don't even want to be done because that thing is going to be there when I get there. It's not like Social Security where you have to take a lesser check if you go early or something. <laughs> is it hot in here to y'all? Okay. If y'all are good, I am. So uh, here's, this is what I've been just studying on, is convictions. You know, we talk a lot about convictions. Convictions is, are who you really are. There's a lot of preferences in our life. We would prefer to, uh, to be this and have that and do this. But if it comes pressure, if it comes a place where there's a challenge and the cost is high enough, then we, we, will, not make, we will abandon that preference. So, okay, what could you say? Y'all just going to have to get it. I can't think of an example here. Uh, where, you, where you just go, I want to do right. I want to do what the Lord wants. I want to, and I usually do, but then, then an event happened or a person came and they caused me to have, be under intense pressure and I messed up. I gave up my conviction. Come to find out it was just a preference. I prefer to tithe, but if it's between me and the rent... Between the tithe and the rent, you know, we just got to pay the rent. That sort of thing. I hope that doesn't put anybody under, but that's, that's an example. Whereas the conviction says, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You've got to get on the street. That's a conviction. Of course, the Lord delivers us out of them all. So he always comes through. He always, he's, David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging for bread. So Gideon had an image issue. And if you read Gideon, you'll find out that he became the man of the hour. But what you find, and I, and I didn't look this up. I should have. Uh, maybe it's in chapter 16. I haven't looked at that in a long time. If you look at him, he had... Uh, he had 60-something sons, and the word says in the back of, of Judges somewhere, it says, when Gideon died, they all went immediately back to their idols and their old way of living. So he got the image for himself, but he did not transmit it to anybody else because they all went, immediately went back to idolatry and pagan ways, and Gideon was forgotten. So there's more than one level of living here. There's a level where we can get our lives straight, and then there's a level where, where we just influence other people. They said that Charles Finney, uh, he's, he's deemed to be the greatest evangelist that America has ever had, if not the world, that when he would get on a train, that people, as he would walk down the aisle, people would just start moaning and say, my God, you convict me. How, how, may, how may I be saved? And that if he'd set up a revival meeting in a city, all the bars, all the ill repute, all the everything shut down, and everybody went to the revival. Everybody. Well, that's quite an influence. That's got overflow. It's uh, it's more than just your life. There's there's plenty more where that came from, and he did that because, and, and Smith Wigglesworth was the same way. He chewed on Lester Summerall one time because Lester came to his house, and was going to bring a newspaper in, and it was just. And I've seen a man, a minister that I was uh, with one time, we were in a Chinese restaurant and uh, someone across the table from him, a minister, a pastor, started opening up his fortune cookie. And this pastor slapped the fire out of him 
slapped it out of his hand and threatened him. Don't you open up that pagan uh, uh, devil worshiping devil and went into this field. I didn't even know there was that many words that you could say like that. I got an education. Let me write that one down <laughs> uh, about how how wrong it was to to be fortune telling or have a fortune cookie. Is that what they call them? Fortune cookies. And so that's just an example of things where people just get deep into their convictions and they become unmovable. Well, so the image that's inside of us is always in flux. I mean, it's always, uh, it's able to be changed. When you're making a cake and you taste it and it's not sweet enough, you sprinkle a little more sugar in it and then you taste it again or whatever you're making. And then, but after you bake it and you taste it and it's not sweet enough, honey, you're done. All you can do is put frosting on it. And that's the way we are. We, this is in flux inside of us, the image that we're forming. But eventually we get to a place of conviction. And we live by our convictions. All of us are living by our convictions. What, we, the, what line there is that we will not cross. So none of you can open a convenience store that sells cigarettes and beer. Not because it's in the Word, because it's not in the Word. But I just know the convictions about the things that are in the Word that you've taken hold of, you wouldn't consider it. That would even, that'd be an abomination. That'd be, you wouldn't even think about it. Me sell cigarettes on Sunday and helping someone carry out their beer? You, you wouldn't do it even though we don't look down on anybody that smokes or drinks. We have no disregard for them. Is that right? We don't. We, we love them. And, uh, uh, and Romans chapter 12. I, I got to giddy up here. I, I do this, but I do this because we need to understand how it is. If we're going to go to the third grade, we have to master the second grade. Okay, verse 2, let's read it together. Chapter 12, verse 2, are you there? All right, ready, read. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the answer to the image inside of us is what you renew your mind to. He said here to be renewed uh, by the renewing of your mind. It's talking about the word. But you can renew or de... What, what would be renew? That would you could, uh, you could languish and not renew your mind towards righteousness, and you would by default be changing your mind unto unrighteousness. In other words, if we don't upgrade, we by default are degrading. We're not... Nobody's ever staying the same. You're going up or you're going down. We're always on a slide. So uh, I think the Amplified says, Do not be conformed to this world, fashioned after and adapted to its external, superficial customs. Do not. But be transformed, be changed by the entire renewing of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude. Why? so that you may prove for yourselves what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. So we start not just saying, I feel like this is the right thing. We start holding our life up against the word and say, are you pleased, Lord? Do you have 
You know, because we can all compromise the truth. You, you can make a case for anything by six verses in the Bible or three. Just, yeah. Uh, Judas hanged himself, go and do likewise. I mean, we, we, can, we can make a case for... Amen. Uh, in Job twenty two twenty eight, it says, Ye also, ye shall also dec decide and decree a thing. And it shall be established for you. I shall decide. So I shall meditate what I'm going to decide. Deciding means to make a choice. To make a choice means to weigh or reason out two different approaches. So you decide. I'll go this way or I'll go that way. And... Uh, after you decide, he said, you will decree that thing that you decided. And what you decided and what you decreed shall be established unto you. And the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. Well, that's how it works. Whatever the image is inside, whatever you and I decide, that's the image that paints the road that we walk on or provides sin's provision ahead for what our life is going to be. And if you don't decide for the things of God, then there's no provision sent ahead. So when you get there, golly, God didn't do nothing. That's what Gideon said. G Gideon said, God put the Midianites on us. Now, that sounds so strange. That sounds so bad. But there's lots of people that believe that's absolutely the way it works right now. God put this on me to teach me a lesson and to guide me. God does not guide New Testament people by events or things or people. He guides us by his word. And that's all. That's all. Now, things may line up and you can find coincidences and peradventures and all sorts of things. But he didn't do it. He deals with us by the spirit, not by the soul. Now, in the Old Testament, that's all they had was a body and a soul. They did not. Their spirit was dead. It was dead. You can go out there and try to crank that dead battery and it's dead. They didn't have one. So he dealt with their soul and he dealt with them like we do children. But not so now. We are we are growed up. Hallelujah. Growed up. Um, so I oh, here we go again. Meditation. That's the word that we could use that would describe renewing our mind is meditation. And so Sunday morning, we looked at that a little bit. We broke down a verse and like Curry said, we, we read it slow and we read every word. And suddenly, instead of just skimming over it, we saw things that changed the image inside. In Valor, what we're doing, we decided uh, Monday night that if we handed out this book that we're doing, uh, all of us said it'd take at least two days except Barry, and he said... One evening, so but his evenings are longer than your your evenings, y'all. Don't be fooled by oh, he's a speed reader. No, he just don't go to bed. Hallelujah. <laughs> I've heard it through the grapevine. Hallelujah. So meditate. So I brought my little book, How to Cooperate with Heaven on Earth, because there's a chapter on meditation. I thought I'd just read that and just explain meditation. Uh, it says in 1 Timothy 4, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them. Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. 
that, they, that thy profiting may appear to all. Meditation is simply a word for the digestion process of the mind. There's a process. The concept for, for it comes from terms dealing with cattle chewing their cud. All cattle can take in huge mouths of forage in a short period of time. When its stomach is full of grass, the cow may then quit eating and relax. Then by process, it forces that raw food back to its mouth so that its teeth can break it down. Therefore, it rechews or meditates its food over and over until it's able to assimilate it into its system. In the thought realm, meditation deals with examining read or heard words and the thoughts that they produce. Examining read or heard words and the thoughts they produce. The mind visits again this raw data that it has received. Meditating is musing about them and squeezing these thoughts from many angles and perspectives over and over again until revelation. Say revelation. Until revelation is processed for an application. That's what we're after. So if we read a scripture or we read a, a book, a chapter in the Bible, and we read it and we process it for information, you can probably tell someone, what does, what does Romans 13 talk about? Well, you've read it, you know, but, but we ought to be able to teach it. We haven't got a chapter or a verse or a, a scripture in us enough until we're able to stand up and teach it. So when they say, what did the pastor preach on Sunday? I don't know, but it was good. Or I don't know, it wasn't that good. <laughs> However it came out, I was giving myself a pass there. It's called feeding on the Word. It is for strength, understanding, and wisdom. Success is already built into the Word of God. The casual observer and scanner that listens only on the edge tends to forget what he has received. He doesn't get the deep and meaty aspects of what's been given. He is a surface miner and can't get much reward from the Word's wealth for success. He has not transferred it from black ink on Bible pages into his understanding. You can read the Bible. Let's see. I'm going to skip that. Meditation injects you with the benefits of God's grace. It is the engine that converts the spiritual food in the Word into genuine power, like gasoline. Put gas in, you start it, put it in D, and the gasoline then is converted into power. Uh, whatever you meditate unto believing that you can be that you can do and you can have from the inward man will always be transformed into tangible promotion in the outward man. So it's the word that's meditated that causes every good thing to be possible in our life. In other words, you really hadn't filled up the car with gasoline until you meditated, so to speak. So I, I have found that whatever you're meditating, whatever you're thinking about, whatever you're spending time with, which is meditation, that's renewing your mind, that is what is coming and nothing else. So if you're meditating on carnal things, natural things, how you can make a deal and that's how you're going to get your money and how you can uh, work overtime or whatever, I'm not, I'm not on that stuff. I'm just saying a, a natural plan that anybody could do 
That's what's coming. That's all that's coming. But if you're meditating, my God supplies all my need. My tithe opens the windows of heaven. He pours out a blessing that I'm not able to keep. He pours it out. Now, if you're meditating that, that's what's coming. If you're meditating, I wonder if I can borrow this, or I wonder if I can steal that, or I wonder if I can sell this, or, or whatever, whatever. If that's what you're meditating, then that's what's coming. It's nothing coming except what we meditate on. So until we have a desire to meditate on things that are above, or what he calls the renewing of our mind, nothing's coming. We're just sitting in long chairs in a, in a church that usually has a cross at the front. That's all we're doing that's different than people that don't go to church. The difference has to be what I put into this image that solidifies. Because whatever solidifies, whatever turns into concrete, that's who I am. And Dr. Cole talks about how people don't change their character. They, they, they put that stuff in, but then they're very charming. They're very uh, uh, personality developed. And so nobody knows that they're liars and thieves and, and cheats and steals and are, 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 just, are just not right until they get older. And when they get older, they lose that personality, that what he calls charm. He didn't actually coin it. He quoted it from a man. And then you, you get to thinking, look at that cranky old man. Look at, look at how rough and gruff he is and how foul he is and how, you know, look what old age did to him. He was that way when he was young, but he was covering it up and you couldn't see it. But when he couldn't cover it up anymore, then the real him came out. That's why, family, we're all young still. we got to develop our character now. Because when you get older, you don't want to develop your character. You're just trying to get to the end or avoid the end or whatever that is. So um, i got just a minute more. Would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10? 2 Corinthians chapter 10. So what are we wanting to do when we renew our minds? What are, what's the goal? What's the gain? It's agreement. What we're endeavoring to do when we renew our mind is to agree with God or to agree with the Word, which is God. We're trying, we're endeavoring, we're pursuing agreement with God. Uh, and our expectation of the promise measures our level of of uh, the image inside of us. In other words, whatever, whatever part we're able to agree with, 30%, 60%, 100%, that's who we are, and that's our agreement. So you may say, I may say, that I, I'm, for example, because we're all tithers, and so we could say, I'm 100% in, there's no, there's no need renewing my mind about the tithe. Because I just, I bring it and I love to bring it and I, I'm glad to bring it and I believe in it and everything. But what happens is, is if pressure ever comes in and the tithe is not available. In other words, some people are affording the tithe. And you don't know that until you don't have the tithe for what you normally use and the tithe. Just an example. And so then we are measured by our point of agreement. Did we agree with the word or do we agree that we were just 
affording it. It was just a good investment. I want to be on God's side and, and I, I, I don't need fancy toys or whatever. I, I'm going to tithe. And so we, we're thinking we're in 100%, but our agreement with God is not solid until there's pressure. Same thing with healing. How much do we agree with the word? Oh, I'm my stripes, I'm healed. I'm totally in. I'm totally in. But pressure will tell. Maybe you are. I hope you are. I hope I am. But pressure would tell when the doctor comes in and says, we got to do something right now. And it's serious if we don't do it right now. Then you find out what your point of agreement is. Is that right? So there, there's no strife here. There's no big deal. We're just laying out the, the ground rules, the game, as it were, of how it works. Because if you know how it works, then you can choose. I want to go in at this level, or I want to go in at this level, and I'm happy or I'm satisfied at that level. Because not everybody's a zealot. Not everybody's a, a wild man. But there's room for all of us. The Lord's pulling us all to come up higher, but he's not mad at anybody. We're born again. We're children of God. He's not mad at any of his kids. Are y'all there? He's not mad at any of us. So it's up to me. Now, there's a better life on earth, and there's certainly, if we talked about the rewards that come from serving God, wow, we don't talk about that enough. We need to. There's lots of rewards for serving God. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10, I'm... For verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So that word war there puts a lot of people off to think this is spiritual warfare. And in a sense it is, but it's not, it's not what people have made it. For the weapons, there's another war word, of our warfare are not carnal or natural, but mighty through God. And here it is, what, what, is the, what are the weapons for? What are they mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds? So there's another war word. And, and it does mean prison, but it means a mind prison. And then he says in verse 5, casting down imaginations. Oh, that's not the devil. I'm certainly sure, I'm sure he's involved. But he didn't say it's casting down the devil and pulling him down from his lofty perch. And every high thing that exalteth itself, itself against the knowledge of God doesn't talk about dominions and authorities and it says about the knowledge of God well that's in your head that's 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 me personally and that's that's me inside that's not out here knowledge is in here against my knowledge of God and bringing into captivity another war word every thought every thought to the obedience of Christ so he's talking about measuring the renewal of our mind. There's a war going on against the renewing of your mind. You are getting pushback. You're getting persecution. You're getting false feedback. We sow and then nothing happens on the reaping side, it appears. In other words, who sowed on Monday and they got a hundredfold return on Tuesday, so they sowed again on Wednesday and got a hundredfold on Thursday. It might not be that exactly like that. It is happening. It always happens. It's never failed to happen. But people say, you know, I'm a little dubious. Well, that's when they think that they're fighting the devil. 
We're, we are fighting the devil, but the fight is the fight of faith, to stay in faith. The only fight we have, it says in Timothy, the only fight you and I have is not against the devil because he's been defeated. Is that right? He's been utterly and absolutely and uh, totally defeated. So our fight is not to go in and, and fight what he's already won. The Lord Jesus fought it. And if he said it's finished, it's probably pretty okay. <laughs> he's probably whooped. So what's the fight? The fight is to stay in faith. The good fight of faith. The fight is to stay in faith with this stuff in our head going contrary. Well, it says, if you sow, you'll reap. And I sowed yesterday. Where's the harvest? And other things. They laid hands on me and I still don't feel good. What's up? I was nice to them and then they were meaner, meaner than a junkyard dog to me. What's up? And so we have contradictions in our faith. And it causes us to have to fight the fight of faith, to stay in faith. Well, the word says it, therefore I'm, I'm in. If the word says it and I'm doing the word, I'm believing the word, well, then I'm in. So the warfare is to stay in faith. So we do. We have to cast down imaginations and every lofty thing that, that uh, what, what, is, what does it say? Uh, that exalts itself against the obedience of Christ. That's what we're doing is, is overriding temptation to go back to being carnal, to go back and not take the high ground. So, uh, so when we meditate, back to that, we take a scripture, and we don't have time tonight, and we're not going to go there, but we, take, we will Sunday. Uh, we'll go there. But we take a scripture, and we break it down, and we meditate it. We chew on it slowly and see what comes out. Oh, when you read something fast, and we're all fast readers, but we get to the end of the paragraph, and we might not always be full comprehenders. Our comprehension is what's important, not our finishing the, 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 the chapter. So if we stop and just take a verse, uh, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich. Okay, I got that. Well, that's what we're used to doing. But the word of God is the only source of life that we have. And so we've got to squeeze the life out of it and become convicted, convicted. The word is convicted, not prefer. I prefer to be healed. I prefer to have my bills paid. But the price I'm willing to pay, oh, it's meditation until I'm convicted inside. Now, we're all convicted. If you've been raised Baptist, you're convicted that you are born again because they nailed that nail every way it could be nailed every Sunday. You, you, honey, we know where we're going. And there may be lots of things about how they get us there that might not be just right, but bless God, we got there. And uh, so if you were raised Baptist, you, it's, a, it's a blessing. But you might not know anything else. And so we got to stop our busy lives and just say, I, I read him. We, he preached on it Sunday, and my verse this week said that about healing, and I, I, I've been all over healing. Ah, meditation is what's coming. Meditation, what you meditate, that's what's coming. That's all that's coming. And if you don't really think, you know, but well, what? I think I'll make a doctor appointment. You know, they make that old joke. Joke. That you uh, get prayer and you go make you don't cancel your doctor appointment just in case. Well, you know what? You need that doctor appointment because just in case <laughs> it's coming because you're meditating it. You're meditating Plan B. 
So, uh, isn't Jesus wonderful? This is something we can all do. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. If it's, if it's tough, if it's hard, if it's more than we can do, then, then it's not what he's saying to us. He said, you can do this. So we can meditate. If you ever stop and drink a cup of coffee in the day, and it takes about 20 minutes to get through it and visit with whoever you're with and read an article or whatever, we've got 20 minutes to meditate the Word of God. One scripture, just one scripture, over and over and over. And then come back the next day and say, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you have to stop and break it down so that you don't memorize it. Memorizing is not what we're doing. Memorizing is in this part. And we are not memorizing. We are meditating to conviction. So we are so sure that I'm rich. Tell anybody, I just want you to know I'm wealthy beyond words. I have all sufficiency in all things, and I abound. Actually, I abound to every good work. So show me a good work, and I'll go show you abounding. And you get obnoxious. If you're not obnoxious, you're not under... (laughs) Amen.